a reading from the Gospel of Luke. On one occasion, when Jesus was going to the house of a leader of the Pharisees to eat a meal on the Sabbath, they were watching him closely. When he noticed how the guests chose the places of honor, he told them a parable. When you are invited by someone to a wedding banquet, do not sit down at the place of honor in case someone more distinguished than you has been invited by your host. And the host who invited both of you may come in and say to you, give this person your place. And then in disgrace, you would start to take the lowest place. But when you are invited, go and sit down at the lowest place so that when your host comes, he may say to you, friend, move up higher. Then you will be honored in the presence of all who sit at the table with you. For all who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. He said also to the one who had invited him, when you give a luncheon or a dinner, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors in case they may invite you in return and you would be repaid. But when you give a banquet, Invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind. And you will be blessed, because they cannot repay you. For you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. The Gospel of our Lord. Good morning, friends. The uh, gospel text today reminds me um, that I have been in ministry nearly 25 years. And uh, as my grandfather would say, I've got a lot of rings in my trunk. Uh, I've met a, a lot of people in my life uh, who have impacted me not only in my work but in my spirit by the way that I go about doing my work uh, and the manner in which I think of myself as a servant. One of those people is Pastor Lynn Pagliarini. Lynn was on staff at Trinity Lutheran Church in the middle 90s uh, and I was on staff with her and Lynn was not only this astute theologian but she had an embodiment of hospitality that moved beyond the words that we used. Lynn, in her second year at Trinity, at Thanksgiving time, decided to open her house up to anyone who did not have a place to go for Thanksgiving or did not feel like they had a place at Thanksgiving. Among those who were participants in that meal and that hospitality was a widow who had just lost her husband to a short unexpected fight against cancer. Another person at that banquet was a gay man who was single and had no family in the area. And another family that was there was a single mom and her kids who could not afford dinner on their own. I was a part of that 
Thanksgiving feast for a couple of years, I have to tell you that each time I attended Thanksgiving over the couple years that I attended, I felt discomfort in a way that I had not felt discomfort before working in the church. Not sure what it was, but I have a notion about it. Needless to say, after two Thanksgivings, I stopped going to dinner at Lynn's house. And it was something to miss dinner at Lynn's house. It wasn't turkey and potatoes and the trimmings. This was an Italian Thanksgiving. Porchetta, bowls of pasta, antipasto, beautiful bruschetta, everything that you could imagine. It was a feast for all. And when I stopped going, the excuse I used with Pastor Lynn was, I needed a little bit of time out of my church spotlight. Sort of to address maybe ministry fatigue of people on staff in churches who spend most of their time in public forums praying because, well, that's what you do, isn't it? So I used that excuse to say, I'm just not going to come to these Thanksgiving dinners. But I think it was something deeper. Now you see, the gospel text for today, we could look at it and think of nothing more than an etiquette rebuke straight from the gospel of Emily Post. How to host a dinner party 101. Who do you invite and where do you place them at the table? But the vision of this gospel for me today rips the band-aid off an old wound where it afflicts the comfortable at a depth that confronts any sustainable human expression of our faith. The gospel for today is not about advice. It's about a prophecy. What is to come in God's preferred future that redefines the terms that we so comfortably use on a regular basis, that challenges the traditions that make us who we are, and opens up a place at the table for those who don't feel like the table is their place. So this gospel redefines terms. Often these terms in churches are formed out of the lexicon of a parochial church model designed to attract people who attend church rather than attend to a world in need. It redefines hospitality. Theologian Sharon Ringe says that hospitality cannot be a mutual obligation between social equals. So, the emerging value of hospitality 
is not defined by the safety of attending like-minded people from a similar demographic. The emerging value of hospitality in this gospel text today is uncomfortably stretching out and reaching to the margins and loving the stranger in our midst. This gospel redefines community and invites us to look outward and ask, who is my neighbor? What is my response to my neighbor in need? And what happens when we disagree about the way that we exist in community? This gospel text also redefines or reimagines the word mission. It invites us to look outward and, and ask, is investing money, meals, time, and charity enough? Is that enough? It asks us, how can we use the voice and influence that we have to advocate for our neighbor? It redefines mission to ask, how can we see mission as a daily living in relationship with our neighbor, participating in the good and gracious will of God? This gospel text today redefines hospitality and community and mission for us. Words that we so comfortably use in the way that we express who we are to our community of faith. This gospel text also challenges our traditions, the traditions that are formed out of performative, transactional, scarcity model of ministry, not unlike many, many churches today. It challenges our notion of success, our need to measure things based on a transaction. If we just have a better program, people will show up. If we just have a better sermon or music, people will be inspired to be generous. If we just have enough staff, we can sustain ministry. Now, the reality is, there's never enough money. There's never enough resources. There's never enough recognition. It's a mentality of more that can only be fed by scarcity. So the question is, when we use the word abundance, is it something we accumulate or something we experience in community together? This context of this gospel lesson today also challenges our most commonly held beliefs. If you look on most church websites, you will see some form of the phrase, all are welcome. Come as you are. God's promise includes you. Now, I think the reality is the gap between those words and practices for those commonly held beliefs are often filled with qualifiers 
or inconsistencies or footnotes. The filler is often our own edits on God's invitation to the table that needs only to be accepted, not questioned. This gospel text also challenges our sacred acts. This table, constructed to open up and expand the encompassing truth and complexity of the baggage that we bring, is often made smaller by the notion that our own imperfection, pain, and perceived lack of faith is insufficient to receive God's love and mercy, let alone the love and mercy we receive from others. The reality is this table is not one of social transactions. As Caroline Lewis says, there are no agreements or bargains, transferences or contingencies, only a relationship made possible by the unmerited, unearned, unwarranted, undeserved love of God. There is no equal exchange to figure out the depth of God's love in our lives. We can't do it. We don't have enough. And finally, this gospel text today opens up a place at this table where we can be less than perfect, where we do not all agree, where the host doesn't care whom you're with or how you got there, where there is no requisite exchange for the grace received in this community. Would you like to know why I stopped going to Pastor Lynn's Thanksgiving meal? It was fear. Fear of vulnerability, fear of my own judgment, fear of the uncomfortable nature of another person's story. I decreased the size of the table at Pastor Lynn's house, not only in my lack of presence, but in my fear that God's incarnational presence and power was not enough. And I was wrong. Jesus, as both, both guest and host, challenges us to live in the tension as redefined hospitality, a reframed notion of abundance, and the open, inclusive nature of a table that we share together. It is a table with a vast capacity to host all who approach it. So today, I invite you to be aware and listen as you make your way to this table. And listen to the cry of the voiceless. Listen to the groan of the hungry, the pain of the landless, the sigh of the oppressed. Listen, be humble, and be blessed. Amen.